Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And today, my old friend, the last guy I ever traveled with uh, in the WWE, Hurricane Helms is going to be here. That's right. Shane Helms, Gregory Helms, all them damn Helmses is here. And you're going to hear some of our infamous road stories and about Hurricane's debut in WWE. He's the first to admit it didn't go exactly as planned, and you'll hear why. you also hear the story about how Hurricane became a thing, who came up with it, how it started, why it got so over. He's talking about the Hurra League with Lance Storm, Citizen Storm, Citizen Storm. He's really setting the record straight as well about what happened between him and Buff Bagwell right after WWE bought WCW. And then there's TNA. Hurricane is now an agent with her, uh, with TNA, and he's talking about how the company's doing, what he thinks they could be doing better, and what, in his opinion, is working well. Very funny conversation with Hurricane Helms. But first, you guys know the drill. I couldn't do this sponsor at all if not for two things, the sponsors, and you guys supporting the sponsors. And that includes DDP, DDP Yoga, and the Resurrection of Jake the Snake documentary. I was watching it last night. It's such a good uh, piece of, of, of film, such a good piece of work. Jake is such a character, but man, was he ever a mess show some of the stuff he did before DDP kind of flew him into Atlanta and put him in the accountability crib to get him off of drugs and alcohol get him into yoga get him in shape he couldn't even bend over he couldn't even hardly stand he couldn't even hardly walk it's uh, quite pathetic when you first start seeing in what bad shape Jake was in and then very uh, inspirational to see how great he ends up being Page saved his life, no doubt about it. And he documented the whole thing on this incredible film, The Resurrection of Jake the Snake. It's out on DVD and Blu-ray, and the collector's edition is loaded with extras. DDP has 20 bonus features on the DVD release, including a commentary track, which is very interesting, with uh, himself, Jake, and director Steve Yu. And I can't stress it enough, this is not just a wrestling documentary. It's uh, the story about a man trying to put his life, his career, and his family back together. DDP brought Jake to the accountability crib in Atlanta, Georgia, spent over three years helping Jake overcome his addiction problems, reuniting with his family, reclaiming his health, and getting his life and career back. DDP and his crew filmed Jake's journey, and you can see the incredible, inspiring story for yourself. Seriously, one of the best documentaries I've ever seen, and not just because I'm in it, which I am. I did a great job, by the way. He'll laugh and cry. You'll get mad at Jake, and then you'll cheer for him as well. And trust me, you'll be inspired at the end of this documentary. You're going to want to do DDP yoga yourself. And right now, you can get the collector's edition of The Resurrection of Jake the Snake at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. And if you use my promo code Y2J, you'll get 10% off anything you buy for a limited time. You've got to see this documentary. You've got to be inspired. And you've got to give DDP Yoga a try yourself. And, of course, the amazing technologically advanced DDP Yoga Now app. Okay, you got to try that as well. Take advantage of this special deal. ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Use the promo code Y2J. You get 10% off anything you buy at ddpyoga.com Slash Jericho. It's going to change your life. Check it out now. I also want to talk quickly about the food fight that we had on Monday Night Raw. Um, a lot of times you'll be thinking, food fight? What the heck's going on? It's great because I had an amazing tour of Japan and Hawaii. Uh, such, such an awesome time. And, and thanks to everybody who came and saw us there. Worked with Shinsuke Nakamura the first night in, in Tokyo. And the second night worked um, with uh, uh, a three-way with Seth Rollins and... Dean Ambrose, which was just amazing as well. We did it a little bit differently. Uh, rather than just the two bad guys beating up the good guy, we did it as like one long 15-minute three-way high spot. So it's uh, something I'd never seen before, and it worked out really, really good. It was funny in Hawaii as well. Um, I came to the ring. It was a four-way match, me versus AJ versus Seth versus Dean. 
And I came to the ring, and I was just talking a bit, you know, like, hey, I do a little typical heel promo. We haven't been in Hawaii in six years, and I hope we don't come back for another six years because this place is a dump. You're talking about your aloha and your mahalo and your lava lava and your mahi mahi. Who gives a crap? And then I look in the crowd and say to nobody in particular, what would you say? Mahu? Just kind of said, like, pointed at a non-existent person and, and accused that non-existent person of saying mahu, which is a term kind of like um, – I guess you'd say kind of like a lady boy or something like that in Hawaiian mahu. So then, of course, everyone starts chanting mahu, mahu. And I'm like, oh, really? Mahu? I don't know what mahu means. But if you're chanting about, about me, it must be good. So you're right. I am a mahu. I'm a huge mahu. I'm the biggest mahu on this island, man. And everyone's just cheering, of course, laughing their heads off. And I saw a couple of people the next day going, do you know what mahu means? I know what it means. It's all show business. So anyways, we had these great three nights in, in Hawaii and in Tokyo. Rocked it all night long in Tokyo singing karaoke with uh, with uh, Xavier Woods and, and Doc Amon and the whole crew. We had, we had a really great time. Then landed in Columbus and went to uh, the uh, July 4th edition of Raw, Independence Day. Happy Independence Day to everybody. And then we find out that Vince wants to have the uh, world's largest food fight. So you guys saw it. It was pretty hilarious. And it's just so ridiculous. You go from like this awesome technical wrestling match in front of a sold-out crowd in Tokyo, Japan to... Uh, you know, eating a plate of beans where there's a Band-Aid in it and pulling the Band-Aid out and spitting my beans all over uh, Curtis Axel. But just so funny, man, my clothes were just destroyed. And I had this really wicked scarf on, but I didn't want to wear it because I realized it was going to get food all over it. So I took the scarf uh, into safety. And then I got, like, this uh, red, white, and blue lei that some of the guys had around their necks, like Hawaiian-style lei. And I cut it in half and tied it together with another one and made my own uh, red, white, and blue scarf. So if you see that scarf, it's made out of a, out of a plastic lei that you put around your neck. And I just uh, made a scarf out of it because I didn't want to destroy my own. But my one of my vests is just covered and one of jeans are covered. So see what happens? That's the uh, You guys want to be in pro wrestling business? Get ready to be in food fights. Man, that's how it works. <laughs> and then we had the 16-man elimination, Team World versus the Multinational Alliance, which I thought was just great, such a Vince word. So 16-man, um, you know, how do you put that together? So we figured it out and put it all together, and it was, it was a fun match, 25 minutes long, and uh, just a, another day at work, man, food fights and long matches and everyone arguing with each other in different languages. If you say that, go back and watch it on Raw. If you see that pre-tape when we start yelling at each other, I'm talking to the Lucha Dragons and Del Rio in Spanish. And then Sami Zayn joins in speaking Arabic. And then Cesaro is speaking, I think, Swiss. And Seamus is speaking Gaelic. And Owens is speaking French. And it was just ridiculous, this personified. A lot of fun. And uh, that's what we're going to have today. A lot of fun with Hurricane Helms, my old buddy on the road. Haven't traveled with anybody since Hurricane. And uh, we had a lot of good times together. Together and uh, we're gonna get started uh, right uh, right now. Yeah, that's where I got that from. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Here he is, Hurricane Helms. All right, so um, I always ride by myself now, uh, but my last official riding partner was Mr. Hurricane Helms, sitting here with me right now. <laughs> that was the, you're the last guy I ever rode with. Yeah. After having, I started with like six guys in a car, then five, then four, then three, and then just you and I. That was the last last straw. Was it something I did that you just said I can't <laughs> ride with anybody anymore? <laughs> no, I think we got along pretty good, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, we did. I mean, I, I think uh, the, you, your wife was pregnant at the time. Right. 
And uh, you always had to talk to her and stuff like that with private phone calls. I remember that. Yeah. And uh, they would be long sometimes. <laughs> I'd have a finger in my ear and shit. <laughs> That's kind of the, yeah, that kind of was probably one of the reasons why. I remember, uh, because, like, it's hard when you when you start writing by yourself to have to go back to writing with somebody. Right. Because it's like, I don't know, we were, we were not sharing rooms or were we still sharing rooms at that point in time? No, I wasn't sharing. That was one thing I couldn't do was share rooms with people, which... Now in in TNA, I'm letting Trevor room with me. Trevor Lee, the, uh, my protege, yeah, and it's driving me nuts because he's an animal. <laughs> <laughs> but that was my whole thing. I don't room with people, you know. That's when I need to get away. I need to escape. Yeah, you know, because we're surrounded by people all day long, as, as you well know. So I would always room by myself. So, um, I mean, every now and then, if something happened and whatever, we're in like we, dire we straits. Some yeah, some weird shit. Don't you remember one time we stayed at some like. It almost looked like a, a bed and breakfast, but it was some really out in the way. This was we'd stopped at ten places, and the guy was really mean to us at the front desk about smoking. And he was like, "Are you going to smoke in the room?" And you're like, "No, we don't smoke." And he's like, "Well, you can't smoke in the room." Do you remember that at all? I'm trying to remember. I, I might be getting it confused with a actually quite a few times stuff like that happened yeah you know because people don't understand what we have to go through to uh when we're on the road because sometimes like you we probably referring to is that we pull up to a town yeah uh and if you usually if you go to one hotel and it's sold out you're in trouble yeah. because it's not just that one hotel. You'll be going around to every hotel in the area and they're all sold out. Now, does that still happen to you now? It still does. But now with the, with the invention of Hotwire. I was going to say with smartphones, you should. You don't have okay. to worry about it anymore. Yeah. yeah. All you got to do is just plan ahead. But back, back in those days, <laughs> there was right no smart. You would just pull up in a town and try How and start finding a room. How did we get anywhere without GPS before? Right? I can't. I mean, I rely on that so much now. Like, if it says turn left, I turn. I don't care if there's a road there. <laughs> and, again, I just think about when we used to have the uh, Rand McNally or whatever that big yeah, gimmick the big was. atlas. Yeah, and, like, how did we get anywhere? But, but you just said the thing. Like, you get so lazy with the technology that if it says turn left, uh, even though you know – well, I, I know it's not here. But you still do it anyways just because it tells you to. Yeah. You know, it's like we're not – we're getting stupider. As uh, as humans, right? I think you don't you don't need that information anymore, and that's kind of how the how the brain uh, works. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need to record that anymore, so you don't do it. There's an episode at the office where the guy, what uh, Steve Carroll, whatever mm-hmm. is that his name? Steve Carell. Carell, yeah. Uh, where it says that just like that, and he turns into a pond, and the guy in the passenger seat's like, "No, stop!" And he's just like, "No, this is what he says." And he, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I was yeah. like, "That is totally me. If it, whatever it says, I'm doing." That's the truth, and also too, also like you know. With everyone's on their smartphones and stuff, there's so much options now. You could watch TV now on your smartphone, or you could listen to any song ever. Once again, with us, we still had the cassettes yep. and, and and the radio. And you don't, you are not a rock and roll guy, per se, except for uh, Nazareth. <laughs> what? <laughs> don't you remember that was the one I told you the story? Uh, when I was a kid, we had that big uh, eight track mm-hmm. player, and they all, but. We only had one eight track, and it was Nazareth Hair of the Dog. <laughs> so I know every song on that album, you know, backwards and forward. Was, remember, remember, you didn't even know what Sergeant Pepper was? Yeah, I kept calling him Captain Cold. <laughs> Y'all getting hot. <laughs> Captain what? Captain Cold. Because uh, I got confused with the names. Because Hunter called uh, La Resistance that, and he's like, hey, it looks like Sergeant Pepper. And I was going, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> and I was like, you don't know Sergeant Pepper? And you're like, no, man. 
I don't know. And then, like, you brought that story up, like, a week later. I goes, yeah, remember when he called him uh, Captain Cold? Like, I couldn't remember. I couldn't even remember what Sergeant <laughs> Pepper's name was. But that's uh, Beatles or Rolling Stones or something? Dude, stop. Which it's one? the Beatles. The Beatles, okay. It's I'm like good. the Beatles' most famous album of all time, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Hey, man. <laughs> I came up on Run DMC. <laughs> but what I'm getting is this. So you're not really a rock guy. And I'm uh, Run DMC I can dig, but do you like more of the hip-hop type stuff? Little John. Yeah. yeah. You're the first guy I ever said, ever said that. Yeah. Uh, but we, so we decided one day that we were going to go buy comedy albums. Yeah. Like co- comedy cassettes. And I like, should get hot at you for this, by the way. Go why? Because go ahead, tell tell you. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just basically kind of painting the picture because I remember we went to a store and it's like, okay, you buy three and I'll buy three or something like that. And so you chose some. So where does the hotness come from? Because I chose uh, Adam Sandler, um, uh, one of one of his comedy ones. I can't remember. I'm sure we'll get to it. I chose Robin Williams at the Metropolitan Opera Theater or something like this, and maybe a Cosby or something like that, or. I'm not sure what it was, but so you're such a Canadian. <laughs> and so I get Sam Kennison, right. Bill Hicks, and Richard Pryor. Yeah. You did not even crack a smirk at that Richard Pryor. <laughs> Nothing. And like, no, and you were howling over this Adam Sandler shit, which is just it's okay to me. At the very best, it's okay. Do it for but your mama. Like Richard Pryor, you didn't even smirk and I'm like, How in the f is this not funny? <laughs> and you're just like, eh. You're just driving. Was like, I doing it on purpose or was it legitimate? Because I remember saying, like, I'm going to laugh if it makes me laugh. I'm not going to try and not laugh because we were yeah, arguing. I, I don't think you got it. Because the Adam Sandler's genius. It's so funny. No, it is stupid. <laughs> That's the idea. Hee! Fatty McGee. Hey, guys. Hee! Hee! Or the buffoon. I looked down and saw my old asshole. It freaked me out. Yeah, you had an old man's ass or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were, there were bits and pieces, but compared to Pryor. Yeah. Not the same. No, not at all. <laughs> but we did love, what was the one cat's name? Uh, uh, Sam Kennison you love, and I think you had never heard Bill Hicks until then. And, yeah. Uh, and he, but he that wasn't he's the one that we met in the middle. There's one that was really funny that we met in the middle. Was it Mitch? Oh, Hedberg. That guy was funny. Yeah, that guy, um, MVP, uh, one day says something to me. He goes, hey, man, do you get some of your stuff from Mitch Hedberg? And I was going, and I'd never heard of him at that mm-hmm. point. And I was like, no, nah, I don't know who you're talking about. And I listened to him, and I swear I thought, maybe this is me. Maybe I did this shit, and I forgot that I recorded it or something. Because <laughs> he kind of sound, he had my cadence. Yeah, same kind of accent. Same, yeah, a bit of that twang, and it's some of the dumb shit that I say. And, like, there was, like, a couple of his bits. I literally had said them things. Like, like what were some of his, like, some of his things? Uh, I remember the one about, hey, you know, uh, a snowman looks like an ant with his legs pulled off or some shit like that. And it was just some of that dumb stuff that I would say, <laughs> yeah. like, I ain't right. going to tell you what hotel I'm in, but it does have two trees in the name. <laughs> like, just really, like, you know, vague, yeah, yeah, yeah. silly shit. Uh, it was the one, though, with the, uh, I bought an ant farm. Yeah. <laughs> they ain't grow shit. Yeah. I bought some carrots for me. Yeah. They ain't grow me shit. They ain't grow, they ain't grow me it's shit. It's like, I went to get a donut, and they asked me if I wanted a receipt. Yeah. It's like, I do not need a receipt for a donut. I will not be returning the donut at a later time. I do not have to write the donut off in my taxes. Man, he was he was good. He he went. Uh, I'm pretty sure. He, I don't know if his act would have lasted too yeah. much longer. Than well, because he, he died of a heroin overdose or something. Along yeah, I mean, lines. I know his, his I know his life didn't last, but I'm talking yeah, about as far as actual. It's kind of a Stephen Wright type thing. Yeah, he comes I mean? and and uh, once you get used to it, it would be. Mm-hmm. I think it would have had a short. You know, but you're right that that is kind of your sense of humor. Like, yeah, you kind of even incorporated that 
into the whole hurricane character, yeah. like real kind of almost slapsticky at times or, or enunciating certain words that, yeah. that Put should, weird. shouldn't be funny, but it is the way you delivered it. Yeah. You know, tell us about how the, how the whole, the, the evolution of the hurricane character even, even came to be. Uh, well, mainly because I just wore comic book shirts to TV all the time and I had a Green Lantern tattoo on my shoulder. I think uh, Brian Gerwitz, you know, writer and WWE head writer at the time, I think he always wanted to do a superhero character. Mm-hmm. I kind of got that vibe. and Because um, he loved comic books as well. Yeah, he, he loved comic books too. And, um, you know, at that time with the WCW guys, they were experimenting with a bunch of us. So, and just as a quick sideways, so when you, when WCW got bought out, mm-hmm. What was your status at that point in time? Uh, well, I was the cruiserweight champion. Okay. So I remember the last Nitro, you know, when uh, Shane McMahon showed up and all that shit. Right. And that was a pretty wild story in and did of you, itself. Did you know he was going to he was gonna show no, up? No, they would tell us, us, like, the weirdest stories of all time. Mm. Um, you know, every week it would be a different buyer, and we felt like the company was kind of working us to a degree, you know, trying to keep us happy or, or at least keep us keep your morale up keep, that you're going to go somewhere. Yeah, keep the Yeah, you don't want that bad morale. You <laughs> definitely don't want that bad morale. Right. And uh and I really wasn't at a position in the company where I had to worry about that shit. You know what I mean? Like uh like how do you mean? I hadn't been there that long, you know, I wasn't one of the millionaires. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm sure those guys were worried about it a lot more than I was. You know, I was just like, you know, there's nothing I can do. I'm not in. I'm not in those meetings. I'm not even. Right. You know, all you can control is the matches. That all I control is what I'm doing, and mm-hmm. I tried to to do that. I just focused on what I was doing, and I had a really good run there toward the end. I had one of the best runs toward toward the end there with the whole Sugar Shane thing. Yeah, the so, dancing girls with you. And yeah, it was just a whole big my, my little sugar babies. <laughs> um, and so I was really happy with what I was doing, but we would hear different things. You know, uh, Eric was buying it again, and you know we would heard we heard that Vince was buying it, and then like a some other company was buying it, and then another company was buying it. Then Eric was coming back. We would just hear different shit every week, so we were kind of all just bored with hearing this shit. We wanted just some security and stability, but like I said, I really didn't. I was like, I, I can't worry about this shit. I'm gonna just show up, do the best I can do every week, and that's mm-hmm. what I'm gonna do. And uh. But anyway, we got the TV that in that Panama. It was Panama City, Florida, and there was a um, a sign on one of the doors that said like it was either WWE or McMahon's or something. It's, but we still didn't believe it because they're so weird down there. We're like trying to work the boys, but we had a talent meeting. You know, one of those those good talent meetings, and uh, Shane McMahon walked in the in the room. And that was the oh shit. Was there actually like a sound of like a oh, or was there just silence? Or it, it was silence, a little bit of oh, but you know that was the the paradigm shift in the business right there. Yeah, the the war was over. Yeah, the war was over, and the opposing uh, general is walking into your yeah. into your headquarters. He's walking into your bedroom and throwing yeah. your wife, <laughs> no, throwing you out the window, yeah. getting in the bed with your wife. Yeah, and uh. He came in. He made some kind of weird comment toward Buff and Lex. Shane did. Oh, because Lex had walked out on WWE. Yeah, it, it wasn't even weird. It was just Shane. You know, you know Shane. Hey, Lex, Buff, how you doing? Yeah, just kind of that. Yeah. Just, just like kinda, very Vince esque. A very yeah. With almost as if he's a son. Almost. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and that we all we all caught on to that. There was no like that wasn't very subtle at all. It was it was ribbing on the square just by ribbing. saying hello. He's yeah. basically saying you guys are fucked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least Lex. Yeah, right, right. right. Um, and uh, 
And so then, you know, Shane gave a very good speech, you know, whatever, that they're going to, you know, they bought WCW and we're gonna, they're going to carry it forward. It's going to be its own thing. And, and we're like, okay, whatever. But we're all like, nobody knew. No matter what anybody says, nobody in that room knew what their future held after that night. So I know I got a match with Chavo and I, you know, to defend the Cruiserweight title. And I just remember thinking, man, if I get out of here with this belt, <laughs> they got to bring me up. <laughs> I was prepared to have to shoot on this motherfucker. <laughs> All right. No matter I what think, the finish was, you're going to put the grapevine on him. And, uh, but uh, Did you win the match? Yeah, okay. I won the match. So I, I felt like, okay, I'm going to have a good shot to go up there because mm-hmm. they, they got to at least bring all the champions, I would think. You know, and uh, WCW was kind of known for their cruiserweight division. That was kind of one of the, yeah. one of the, as you well know. Sure, absolutely. Damn sure helped put that thing on the map. And um, so I felt good about it, but you know, still didn't know. And I was actually the first person Johnny called. And I asked him that, but... He said, oh, I'm just going, you know, you're the first person I called. To say? Uh, that you know, you're hired, that we picked up your contract and oh. bringing, you, bringing you in. So Okay. Uh, so I was very happy about that. I don't know why. I don't know why I was the first one, but I happened to be the first one. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, you know, yeah, all excited. Yeah. Like, um, you know, so then we go up there, and I had a couple house show matches uh, at Sugar Shane, uh, mainly like three ways with uh, Billy Kidman and Chavo. And then when I got the t- when my TV debut now, and I know I had to have told you this, and uh, I told you know on a few podcasts before, but my TV debut in WWE was not the best. <laughs> it was not what I envisioned that it could have been, because um, originally the plan was that I debut against Chavo, establish me as the champion, and eventually I was going to drop the belt to Kidman in Atlanta. Because mm. Billy Kidman was definitely the bigger star at the time, right? Yeah, no, no doubt. You know? And he had worked WCW for years and had yep. some bigger programs and bigger yeah. program. And he was going on to. And then uh, X Pac was the light uh, light heavyweight champion in, in WWE, and they were going to go combine those belts. And that was, and which is what they did, and that was the goal. But when Booker and Bagwell had that disaster of a match, that changed the entire course. That changed everything. And so they, uh, as a compliment to me and Billy, though, they looked at the locker room that they they had for WCW, and they felt that me and Billy could go out there and do the best match. And to make it even better, they decided to just hot shot the angle and go ahead and take the belt off me that, that first night. Mm-hmm. So that was my debut. Okay. That I come in and just lose the yeah, <laughs> cruiser right, right, right away. And also, that day, they tell me I can't be Shane Helms, which I kind of had. Why? Because of Shane, Shane oh, O'Mac. okay. And uh, and I'll, I'll leapfrog a bit of this because when, when I when I was the Hurricane and I became the heel Gregory Helms, I finally just asked them then because uh, I said, well, listen, you got Chris Jericho, you got Chris Benoit, you got Chris John, <laughs> and uh, they go, yeah, but there's no Chris McMahon. <laughs> nice. I said, say no more. <laughs> Gregory Helms, it is. So uh, anyway, going going back, uh, you know, I found out I can't be Shane, and th- therefore I can't be Sugar because Sugar Shane was, you know, it was it matches, yeah, yeah, that was the gimmick on you know Sugar Shane Mosley, and so I'm not going to have the Sugar Babies. I can't do the Vertebraker because Vince is uh, worried about it, and so now I can't have my interest music, which as, was as a, the- as a quick segue too. When I came into WWE and it was uh, had the Lion Tamer, Vince didn't want to use the Lion Tamer because Shamrock had the Lion's Den. Okay. Just, which they used like once, but there's too many lions around here. Besides, <laughs> so there was a list of names. That did he I say wrote. that though? Yeah, he did. There's actually. too many lions around here. Yes. 
And I wrote down they, they gave me a bunch of really bad names. I've, I've documented many times the the salad shooter, the rock oh, and roll finisher, all this stuff. So I wrote a bunch of names of my own. And the vertebraker was actually one of the names that I wrote down. This is before that you, before you had the vertebraker. I was like, what a great name. And he didn't like that. He wanted the walls of Jericho. So my finish was almost called the vertebraker. That's awesome. It's so such a great name. It is. It's a great name. So when you came in, Vince was, was scared. Like, had he seen it or had someone just told him about it? I think somebody had just told him, but at the same time, this was, there were so many neck injuries. This was after there was a string right. of, uh, Steve, you know, Steve, Amy, Amy uh, Benoit, Benoit, uh, Bob Holly, all of them. And so they were worried about anything getting dropped in the head. I don't think he necessarily was concerned about me, but it was a power driver type maneuver and they were eliminating all that. Right. Right. And so a similar thing happened with the styles clash yeah. when AJ first came in, yeah. Vince, well, we don't know for sure, but the, the word was that it was banned just because of what had happened to other people. But I don't think Vince per se even knew what the move was. He, he just heard the didn't. name. Right. You know, styles clash hurt somebody. Well, then don't do the styles clash. You could do 10 styles clashes to him and not call it that. And he wouldn't know. Right. But he had just heard the rumor of it. So I wonder if it's probably the same thing with the vertebraker then. So. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I'm not certain he really knew who, who I was. <laughs> yeah. you know? So no vertebraker, and then you can't be uh, uh, yeah, so, sugar shame. So no shame, no sugar, no sugar babies, no vertebraker, no entrance music. Cause that was and I'm not going to have my whole entrance because of the girls, and I'm going to drop the title on that night. And I was like, <laughs> holy f***. <laughs> <laughs> why, 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 like, so who, came, who told you you were Gregory Helms? Uh, Stephanie. But she was so cool about it, man. She was very, you know, supportive and nice. And she's like, I know this seems like we're taking a lot from you, but, you know, we like you. This is, you know, just this. Don't worry about it. You know, she's super sweet. And I just remember that because I needed a super yeah, sweet, yeah, supportive yeah. voice at, at that particular moment. And uh, she, they wanted to call me to Hollywood Helms. That was their idea. And I was like. Like, I didn't like, and even I, on my Titan Tron, if you go back and watch that match, it says Hollywood oh, on the okay. back, and it showed like a uh, city city lights, city uh, view or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, and I didn't like that at all. Number one, there was a very famous guy <laughs> who just had been called Hollywood, right? <laughs> and it was fucking over huge, and nothing about the way I talk, in my opinion, is is Hollywood. <laughs> Good call. Nothing about that. You're from the woods. From the wood. Yeah, the wood part. (laughs) It's just the holly part. If it was just the woods, Shane uh, Gregory Helms. Yeah. So uh, I was like, so I just came out as Gregory Helms. It was very. Why would you like? Why not like Sugar Sean Helms? That that Shawn Michaels guy, I guess. (laughs) That might have been. Is is there any names left? Can you be Oswald? (laughs) No, I mean Gregory is my shoot first name. I've just never gone by it. Okay. My name. My name is Gregory Shane Helms. Uh, that movie, the cowboy movie Shane, was playing in the waiting room where I was being born, mm. and that's why I'm Shane. Okay, you know, um, I just throwing that in there. Right. So uh, anyway, I was Gregory Helms that that first night, and then uh, we were in like Spokane, Washington, or whatever Spokane. We do Spokane and some other town when we do that loop. Yeah, Tacoma or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tacoma was where the disastrous match happened. Okay, so maybe it was Spokane. So anyway, we got a red eye back and I'm the same way with you with writing down your finishers. I'm writing down all the names I've ever used. Right. All the names I ever even thought about using because I just think Gregory Helms isn't going to work. Right. Coming in, you know, trying to be something flashy. It worked later because I wanted people to hate me. Because it works then. Then it worked, but but here coming in as somebody new, 
I needed, you know, I felt like I needed something. And I was the hurricane kid for one brief moment in like 1992, maybe 93, when I was teaming with a bigger guy and I called him, he was called Hail, H-A-I-L. And we were going to be the stormtroopers or some shit like uh-huh. that. And at, right before I went to WCW, when Scott Hall and Kevin made it cool to use your real names, mm-hmm. uh, I always thought Shane Hurricane Helms had a good sound to mm-hmm. it. And so, uh, I Hurricane did that. Shane, yeah. Yeah, so then it just, so I went to them. So the next week, I get there early, you know, and uh, I, I, I catch Stephanie before the uh, production meeting. And I said, What do you think about Hurricane Helms? And she goes, You really don't like that, Gregory, do you? Mm-hmm. I said, I just don't. There's nothing to hook on to it there for right, me. Right, right, And she goes, okay, okay. She goes, well, thank you for the suggestion. And uh, anyway, I go to catering and fuck off for a little bit. And, I mean, like two hours later after the meeting, Vince walks by, and evidently she had mentioned it to him, which was a, a good sign for me. You know, He goes, Hurricane Helms, I like it. <laughs> and the big, huge, well, <laughs> the people can't see it, but the big, big huge thumbs, thumbs up. up. Yeah. And you know, I mean, if you get the thumbs up from him, that's really, you know. And also to the fact he actually does know who you are. Yeah. Was, was nice too. Yeah, that, that helped out too. <laughs> so then I was Hurricane Helms, uh, you know, for the invasion angle for a little while. And then. Uh, First of all, how, how was that for you when you came from WCW to WWE? Was it intimidating? A, a little bit, you know, but I, you know, I've been backstage for a couple of WWE shows with Matt and Jeff, you know, and hanging out. And I knew a lot of the guys. And uh, the, when I had the whole incident with Bagwell, the WWF locker room just kind of adopted me because of that, and they all liked me. So I had it a lot easier than I think some of the we, other. You have to now explain. Everybody knows what well, that is. Yeah, I want to hear it. You want to hear my version or his version? Because his version is a lot different than the actual truth. <laughs> he just told it on Steve's podcast, and I texted Steve, and I was like, you know that motherfucker's lying, right? <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. just like, no comment. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, yeah, he blames me and Jim Bagwell, uh, me and Jim Bagwell, me and Jim Ross for ruining his career. But but so you guys were all kind of sequestered training together or something like yeah, that? Yeah, they, they uh, made us all go to the uh, uh, tracks, that training center that WWE yeah, be, had. Yeah, yeah, it's well, they Stanford. don't have it anymore, but yeah. it's in Stanford, yeah. To get used to the ring because the uh, WWE rings are bigger than WCW and the ropes yeah. are. Uh, right, the ropes. ropes and, and, and As opposed to steel cables. cable. Yeah, yeah, so it's a little bit. I didn't have any problem. I mean, I don't know why we had to be there a week. You know, it took me like 30 minutes and I was. You know how, why, yeah. just to make sure. Yeah, so we're up there, you know, whatever. Anyway, and, and, and Bagwell was being mouthy and, and just. You know, I kind of got the gift for gab for that. You know, it's going to be hard to out-talk me when it comes to talking shit, as, as, as you want to. <laughs> and so anyway, he got mad and came and smacked me in the ear. And I had this little, the story is that it's just like big frozen glass water bottle. No, it wasn't frozen. It was a little plastic. Like a little, little Evian. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That I was rubbing on my shoulder because I hurt my shoulder working out with, uh, I mean, working with Mike Awesome. Mm-hmm. And I was just, had it like I was sitting on my ass with my back to the bottom rope. Uh, not in the corner, just kind of in the middle. And I'm sitting there rubbing, rubbing that uh, little bottle on my shoulder. And anyway, he's sitting there. Everybody's with everybody like the, the boys do. And for some reason, he decided that he wanted to talk shit to me. Yeah. He instigated the whole thing. and Kind, so, of, kind of a bully. Yeah, oh, definitely yeah. a bully. Yeah. And so I started firing back. And I, and everybody's laughing at my shit. And he's, he's shooting getting hot like, like a typical bully that now he's getting embarrassed. And he came and smacked me in the ear. Hmm. Everybody in there knows that I'm hurt. So I got like one arm. Mm-hmm. You know, he outweighs me by 50 pounds of pure muscle, too. Right, right, right. right, you right. Know? Great body. <laughs> you jacked up, and he smacks me in the ear. Now, his version is he came and smacked me right in the face, even though he's on the floor and I'm in the ring. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, arms. I, I don't, yeah, I don't know how exactly that worked. 
And I just kind of looked away and I had that little bottle and I kind of just threw it in his face as a distraction because then I hopped out of the ring and I was going to blast him. But apparently I threw that thing hard because it hit his head and damn blood started squirting. And anyway, and I was all cocked and I'm coming to get him and he's doing the Ric Flair, no, no, no type shit. And anyway, then we see this fucking blood and it really didn't go too much, you know, only a, a little bit further than that. But that, that was kind of it. Were you worried that you're going to get in trouble? Oh, definitely worried. Yeah, because yeah, we're the new guys, you know. We're all worried about the jobs. I'm like, here I am, and you know, and he's a much bigger star, right? Especially at that point, sure. You know, I, I don't think historically that might be the case, yeah. but at that point, definitely, absolutely. And um, I'm one of those guys that every time I've gotten a fight, I've always hated it right after, even mm. if I, even if it's well deserved, and I just beat the. and I just do anything, you know. When I just, I, I, I don't like it afterward. So right. I love it during it and i get all amped right before but afterward i always say why am i doing that why why would i just hurt yeah, this human being you know i hate it even worse when they hurt me <laughs> but uh, you know, when, when i'm picking my ass up off the ground i hate it even worse right. but i knew everybody like we were all worried we all swore to secrecy that nobody would tell anybody oh so was this just all wcw guys was there yeah. no like supervisor like a- uh there's a couple agents there one of which who went and bought my lunch because of the incident <laughs> Was it Arn? No, fit. <laughs> oh, fit. <laughs> Even better, of course. Yeah, it was. of course it was. And uh, good job, Letty. <laughs> good job, y'all. Oh, he loved it. And, uh, <laughs> you know. So then we got some house shows like a week later, and I get to te- I get to the house show, and I'm over there like, you're just kind of jumping rope or doing something, and here comes Johnny right beside me. And you got to see the. Vi- uh, I try to do the visual. Here's Johnny right here. And he goes, so shame. What happened to Bagwell? Face and he's like, yeah, he gets like one inch from my face. And I'm like, what the f***? Mm. And so I know he knows. I'm like, you know what the f*** happened, man. And he goes, well, I just, I got to hear your side. And I, <laughs> and I told him, I said, go ask everybody else, man. They were all there. It's the same thing, whatever. And he goes, all right, I just had to hear. But so apparently Bagwell's mama called and told Johnny what had happened. How f***ing ridiculous is that anyway? And now, now that we're talking about this, you know, he's, I'm sure I'll hear about it again. But we, we've, you know, I've seen him seen at a him bunch since, of shows, yeah. and we kind of laugh about it. It's still odd that his his version of the story, he still sticks with that. You know, that's, that's odd to me. But, yeah. um, you know, but still, it's, God, that was 2001. Well, it's 15 years ago. My incident with Goldberg, it's like it still rubs them the wrong way because they ended up on the wrong end of the stick. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, which you were there for that. I was there for that, too. Holy smokes. It's one of, but I'm one of those guys, man, too. Like, I don't like, if I'm ever on a wrong end of the stick, I'm like, ah, fuck it. But yeah, I came yeah. up, I came up in an environment where you, you had to fight a lot. So nobody had like this undefeated streak because everybody yeah, got yeah, their yeah. ass tore up at some point. So if it, it ever happened, like it wasn't that big of a deal. Like, ah, eh, well, I'm going to whoop your ass next week, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was never a guy to ask for a rematch. You know, if you whoop my ass, that was generally was enough. No, if you I'm, win, that's nothing. I'm good. But tell me, I have never asked anybody about this. The Goldberg fight that I had with him uh, lives on in my memory. Uh-huh. But I've never asked anybody else's yeah. uh, memory about it. So tell tell me that story. Well, I ran in as a, like you had him in that fucking well, front choke. What do you say? You're just sitting there and you hear some, actually, oh, okay, yeah. Because, yeah, you hear some, like, screaming. from Yeah, the I, heard some, I heard some yelling. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, and I recognized your voice, and we were tight. Yeah, so yeah. I ran in there, and like you were kind of handling your business, 
And I just, I remember he said some weird thing like a your mama joke or some yeah, shit yeah. like that. You're a dick. Your mama's a dick or something like that. And you're like, what? <laughs> and so not only did you kind of like, you know, handle your business physically, then you made him look a little silly with that. <laughs> and But still, he looked ferocious at the Dude, same time. You're like, rip my head off. Yeah. I was like, God, this right. is, this is cool like that's one of those things like chris let's get out of here like i wanted to go warm up the car and like let's just go man like, uh that, that was that was pretty but then but then but then we were in in the fight or the scuffle and you pulled me off you and christian pulled yeah. me off mm -hmm. and you were holding my arms as he was advancing and i remember saying like let, let me go let me go let me go and then he came over and i thought he was gonna punch me in the face and he just reached and started pulling my hair that's funny because yeah i don't i don't i'm not really big on one for grabbing people in fights because i hate when that happens to me because i've been hit yeah when people hold my arms and i'm like when your friends are trying to help out and you're like you're, yeah. you're, you're 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 taking off my arms like you're, yeah go grab that motherfucker yeah, don't yeah. Grab me. or at least grab me around the waist so i can still swing and yeah. block and do all that so i'm gonna say it was christian holding your arms <laughs> okay yeah, i might have grabbed your waist but i generally don't <laughs> grab people's arms because i've cussed people yeah, out yeah, for, for that. doing that was um, there ever so was there ramifications for the thing with bagwell or did, did you ever hear anything officially about it no, you know, uh, uh, Jr. called me in, you know, and asked me about it, and he'd heard the same version that I just told you from everybody. So, mm -hmm. uh, and I told him, I said, like, you know, I'm sorry that it happened. I wish it didn't happen, but I said, yeah, you need to know that I will never let people hit me. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm if somebody hits me, then then I'm gonna fight. Yeah, you know, I don't want it to happen, and I'm not, you know, I'm not some, I'm not the big man on campus, but that's not gonna happen. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm -hmm. And I, that's, that's, you know, I had to, I had to live like that through, through, through sure. my life. I had, I had to do that. You know, I didn't, I didn't have the don't be a bully program. I came from the <laughs> don't be a bitch program, yeah. you know, and, and you had to fight to survive, you know, yeah. so not like, is it fucking war, you know, but, but still yeah. it made life easier if you fought back where, yeah. how, how I came up. But you said the WWE locker room appreciated. Oh, that. they loved it. They came, uh, you know, Ron and John took my bags The from the WCW because it was segregated in there. Yeah. You remember, it was WWF on one side and the WCW. We had like twenty percent of the locker room. And we had to all cram in there. And Ron and John came and they took my bags from the WCW side and put them in the WWF. And I like I graduated this shit. Like Savage's music was playing. I threw my hat up in the air. I'm like, bye, bitches. I totally turned on them. And I was like, I'm out of here. You can just hear Bradshaw saying, "Oh, Bagwell, what happened to you?" I know. Yeah. <laughs> I really hate that happen with me. He could have been. He could have been a big star there. He had everything, in my mind, that Vince likes. Absolutely. But here's what happened, though, and you'll, you'll appreciate this because it happened for a lot of guys. In WCW, there was such an attitude there for a lot of the dudes that everybody, when they came to WWE, had a real mind switch very, very quickly, a real um, attitude adjustment. Including myself, not that I had a, a, you know, I just thought a certain way, and then you realize you have to, you cannot think that way anymore. And I think Marcus didn't ever get the chance to really understand that they don't care what you've done anywhere else at all until you walk through this door and through, walk through this curtain. Doesn't matter who you are Goldberg, Austin, Triple H. Benoit, Eddie, whoever it was, you had to kind of go through that, that war of attrition. I'll tell you who they didn't give a f about the most. Who? Sugar Shane. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't give a f about no Sugar Shane. So, so the, the, the roundabout, finally getting to the question, how did you finally become the, the Hurricane? Well, that started with a, uh, did a, I was doing a backstage skit. We're doing the invasion thing. And now Austin has turned heel. Mm -hmm. 
You know, like the worst heel run of all time. Yeah, like, yeah. Nobody <laughs> was booing him. Yeah, they all wanted him to be the babyface still. So anyway, I got to do this uh, backstage little skit with uh, Austin. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he was a young up and coming kid at the time. Yeah, and you know, uh, back then they wouldn't, they didn't write everything out for us. Thank God. Mm. And um, hard to believe because it's it's completely the opposite. Every word has to get approved now. Every fucking word. But back then it's just okay. You're gonna see Steve and you're gonna talk about X, Y, and Z. Here's what Vince said, and you you know he's crazy. As <laughs> and when I tell people about Vince, I was like, he's crazy, but it's a lovable crazy. Mm-hmm. As long as he's not pissed off at you, like he's insane. Mm-hmm. But there's something to me that's it amuses the fuck out of me how insane how and insane is a strong word, but just how quirky he could be. Mm-hmm. Because there was a vegetable tray in there. And he's like, you go in, and maybe you eat a carrot. And you and Austin do your promo. And when you leave, maybe you eat a tomato. And so the main direction I got from the promo was that I eat a carrot in the beginning and a tomato at the end. Nothing really about what we were going to discuss. <laughs> you know, there was some kind of vague, you know, he'll, in, he'll encourage you to go do something with Kurt or some shit. Because I, I think right, I was going right. to go you know, with Kurt Angle after that. Even again, like when he told me, just to let you know, you go in and maybe you eat a carrot <laughs> and you and Austin do the promo and then maybe you eat a tomato. <laughs> and I, I was just so concerned that they had stuck those carrots up their asses or something like, uh, like oh, this rib because yeah. why is he so focused on these carrots and tomatoes? But I went in there and <laughs> the first thing I did was eat a carrot. <laughs> you eat that carrot better than you ever ate any carrot, carrot delicious i, I deep throated that carrot <laughs> and uh t- we start doing the thing and steve you know like i don't know what i'm gonna say because i don't know what steve's gonna say mm-hmm. and he can say whatever the f- he wants he's steve austin i'm you know hurricane <laughs> i'm just lucky i'm hurricane helms yeah. at this point and uh and then when he asked me about the tattoo i just started talking about the green lantern like it was a real person you know i was like yeah green lantern he knocked superman out with one punch bam because Green Lantern had just made a heel turn for all the nerds listening. <laughs> this is when he made the heel turn to Parallax, and he had dropped Superman with one punch. And I was like, yeah, he knocked Superman out with one punch, and Deborah popped huge. And Steve is just selling this really good. You know? yeah. He's looking at her, and he's looking at me. and I mean, he, he's, he's really good at what he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's got a good promo or two here and there. <laughs> and, and, so, and, that was, and they thought that was funny that, uh, you know, I knew that. I, th- I think kind of Brian has said maybe he'll ask you about your tattoo or something. You can say something, and like that was the direction that maybe you can say something. But but I think the idea was that when you and you might have even have been asked this, but when everyone came in, they kind of asked everybody like what's like what's something discernible about you? Like for you, it was the tattoo. Had you not had that tattoo, that tattoo is what led to the whole thing, right? Had you not had it, you could be like Mark Jindrak or whatever. yeah, who knows what the f- above average Mike Sanders. <laughs> That's such a great name. Though. The best name ever. Listen, I'm not great, not even good, but I am above average, and that's not bad. I came up with his his uh, name is I was naming everybody's finisher in WCW. Yeah, and he needed a name for his finisher, and I said, "What a 3.0? That's the B average. That's above average." He goes, "That's f-ing great." <laughs> the 3.0. So he called his his finisher was the 3.0. <laughs> you like that, don't you, baby? And um, and so anyway, they thought that was funny. Uh, that I talked about the Green Lantern like it was a real person. And so, uh, you know, Brian, of course, really loved it. And so the next couple of weeks when I was doing promo, Brian would, like, Brian would go, why don't you just kind of trail off into some kind of comic book reference about something? So I think Brian was Brian kind of had this idea, but he hasn't really told me yet. I think he kind of yeah. wanted to see he what was, I would yeah. do. 
But I was I was on board, you know, because I mean, uh, you know, I said, yeah, that reminds me of the time that. But and still, I don't know why I started talking like that. Because that's what a superhero talks like. I guess you know, <laughs> in the sixties. I guess you know. Cause, I mean, I've never seen any any superhero <laughs> any talk Batman. Like, I don't the old know. Batman show. That reminds me of the time that the green. And I would just make up shit too. Just throw in all the characters that I like. The Black Adam. You know, that was because that's my all time favorite. And uh, and just say weird shit. You know. And even when I did the, what's up with that? Like that was never like some preordained or premeditated. I don't fucking know. Oh. I was just saying, what's up with that? And I said, what's up with that? With the weird face and the, the high pitch. That became and, your big catch. Oh yeah, with the with the lips. Duck face. And this is way before duck. Yeah, this is before Paul MySpace and duck yeah. lips. <laughs> but that that kind of happened uh, mainly when I had the uh, mask, because all you could see was my mouth. Oh, so right, I had right. to tell my story with just my mouth. So that's when the her lips really became more prominent. Because <laughs> that's yeah. all I had to work with. You know, you guys got all of everything. I yeah. had this much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and so you know, like I said, I did those little promos for a couple of weeks, and then uh, Stephanie comes up and she goes. Stephanie was apparently the go-to for me. Yeah, she yeah. was the conduit for yeah. you at that point. And uh, she was thinking about making you a superhero. And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, yeah, like with a cape and a mask. What do you think about that? And I remember going, I mean, I'm basically in my underwear now, so <laughs> I don't care. I said, I'll, I'll give it a shot. She goes, a couple weeks, couple months at the most. We'll just see how it works. Mm-hmm. And that was in 2001. Yeah, 15 years later. <laughs> 15 years later. But it became almost like you, you were, like, um, became the head of your own stable. Yeah. At that point, you know, you got the four horsemen and you got, you know, Generation X and you got your the Hurst, the Hurst table <laughs> yeah. of your like uh, the Hur band. League. Yeah, the Hur League. The yeah. band of so who was in the Hur League? Uh, Lance Storm. Lance, what? Yeah, he was Citizen Storm. Citizen Storm? Citizen Storm. We They were going to make us the WCW Tag Champions, but I had that stupid European title. Uh huh. And they didn't want me to have two titles, and that's why me and Lance didn't become WCW Tag Team Champions. But what was Citizen Storm? Did he have an outfit? No, he was just Lance. But I would call everybody Citizen, so he became Citizen Storm. Probably because his name was Storm and I was Hurricane. They go, eh, let's put them together. <laughs> and I would make him do the one to twin powers thing. Uh-huh. Do you remember that? Yeah. T- fist bumping, yeah. And then we would, and uh, during matches, I would want to tag like that. And on one pay per view, I forgot. Mm-hmm. And so I'm doing this, and he's out there doing this, and I'm going. <laughs> trying to put your hand up. Yeah, and he, he never let me live that one down. <laughs> okay, so there's Citizen Storm, but then the, the other. Uh, and Ivory, they always wanted a girl with me, mm-hmm. like my whole career there. Uh, before I got the mask, it was Tori Wilson. And uh, so now I'm Hurricane, and they gave me Ivory. And I had her for a little while, and she was a nut, but she was awesome to work with, though. <laughs> you know, uh, but she was insane at the same time. <laughs> and we got Lance, and then I got Mighty Molly. So mm-hmm. that was the four. Oh, yeah, us. Mighty Molly. That was the Hurry League at its full strength. Right. Uh, you know, and then Molly, of course, turned heel on me. And. I would have, they would always teaming me with people, you know, which is fun, you know. I wanted to do something where I ran through some of the guys that weren't doing things mm-hmm. and trying to make them be superheroes, you know, and I wanted Hugh Morris to be humongous. Mm-hmm. And I wanted uh, Mike Awesome to be Captain Awesome, you know, look, Captain America with an A yeah, yeah. and different things, you know. Uh, when Scott Steiner, when his uh, big deal didn't, when Hunter was over, and yeah. they had kind of soured on him a little bit for, for whatever Steiner, reason, yeah. you know. Uh, I suggested something where he would be my Jimmy Olsen. Oh, really? Yeah, the, the photographer, and we called him Big Paparazzi. <laughs> and he, I, I, to this day, I think that would have been over. I think that would have been, especially if he would have been like taking pictures, but 
he's the paparazzi who beats them up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you're going to take this fucking picture. You know, and he's yanking people around and take the picture. Big paparazzi. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it is. I don't know. It might have been. <laughs> no, throw, throw in the, uh, what was the Funaki gimmick supposed to be? Kung Funaki. How's <laughs> the song go? Everybody love Kung Funaki. Do, 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 do. That bitch be drinking sake. <laughs> That's the original version. We had to edit it. Do you know Jim Johnson refused to give me songwriting credits for that? They actually did do a Kung Fu Naki yeah. song? They did a song. And uh, when, they, when they made him Kung Fu Naki. Uh, Wait a second. And, 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 and they actually did make him Kung Fu Naki? Yes, they did. Wow. And here, here's how that happened. I was riding with Adam. Uh, the Canadians all adopted me for whatever reason. It was either I was riding with you or Adam and Edge. That was mainly in Lance. Yeah, Christian. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. Adam and Adam and Edge, both yeah. both of those, yeah, both those guys. And um, and so Adam's driving, and Fanaki and maybe it was Taka, I don't know, but it's Fanaki driving and some other people. And I look over there, and I just Mitch Hedberg style, like like I do. So what if what if Fanaki's first name was Kung? <laughs> and Adam about ran off the road laughing at that shit. <laughs> Kung Fu Naki? And he just starts. And then just I break out into that song. Everybody love Kung Fu Naki. Dude, the bitch be drinking sake. His body is short and stocky. He drives a Kawasaki. <laughs> and that was the whole song. And um, so then later on, you know, fast forward to how many years they finally make him Kung Fu Naki. And the whole, my whole pitch for that was because they had Steamboat as an agent there. That Steamboat is trying to teach him karate and shit. Yeah. And he would be terrible at it. He'd be, you know, trying to chop the board and hurt his hand yeah. and do all this shit. But then finally, it works. It matches, you know, and something to do with Steamboat too, because yeah, he was, right. you know, you did a little some good sure stuff with Steamboat, yeah. fucking yeah. And um, they actually let me produce the segment that he revealed that his first name was Kung. Ah. You know, they uh, very cool. You know, a lot of cool things he did there. So anyway, when he made the song. You know, I emailed Jim Johnson and said, hey, I don't know if you noticed, but I actually wrote that song, you know, so. But the uh, actual song is based on the 70s song. Yeah, it's based on it. But the words, they okay, still, so they they still use my music, lyrics. But your lyrics. Yeah, right. yeah, I wrote uh, lyrics, not yeah, the notes. Yeah, I got you, but the they wrote different music yeah. for it, yeah. And I was like, I don't want any money, you know. I mean, I'm not sure how much money that song would have made anyway. Yeah. But I just, I wanted the, the just to have that on the resume. I yeah. wrote, you know, a little songwriting credit. Yeah, I think yeah. just for my own personal benefit, that would be cool. And he refused to do it. Refused, like, like, no. Refused to acknowledge me. Wouldn't email me back. Wouldn't return my calls. And I'm talking about several calls and several emails. And I was very, fuck, I was a, like, that's that, especially in the music industry, as you well know, that's a big no no. Yeah. If somebody oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. writes the lyrics to the song, they get credit for that shit. That's right. You can't just decide not yeah. to give it to them. And I know it, it might seem, you know, minuscule. It's not to, to the, people it's listening. It's your song. You wrote the lyrics. I wrote that. that I yeah. made that gimmick up. That yeah. was my shit, my idea. Yeah. And he just completely f refused to, to do Nothing. it. Nothing. And I hate that motherfucker <laughs> to this day. <laughs> Although he did do good with that Hurricane song. <laughs> when I needed some, because they had some generic hip-hop beat for me in uh -huh. the beginning. And uh, they had the stand back part, which I had. Vince. Stand back. There's a hurricane coming through. And let me tell you about that. Vince is in there producing that segment because you know when you do a new gimmick, if he's on board, he's going to be instrumental in producing all this. Because you were flying over the city, yeah, that was I tore that thing down too. They got these things hooked to me, and this green screen, and I'm supposed to act like I'm flying. And one time, I just fell right off to it, off of it, and it ripped the whole set down. They had to redo it. So Vince is producing, and now Vince has got me up in this microphone. Goes, all right, I want you to say, stand back. And he's got just such a thunderous, powerful voice. And I'm doing as best as I can. <laughs> and that right there is as loud as I can get. Right. You know, I just, 
I really wish I had one of those loud Stephen Regal voices yeah, or booming voices. Yeah, but I, I just don't. Uh, like Braxton, I wish our, our son's got a thunderous voice. Oh. <laughs> and um, I wish, you know, but I don't. I was just trying my best. And finally, I had to say, Vince, that's as loud as I got. That's, that's all I got. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, it would be stand back. There's a hurricane coming through. And it's stand back, not stay in the back, which still a lot of people think. So it was that, stay in the back? Yeah, stay in the back. Well, this is your accent. I guess. Stand back. But why, but why would you stay in the back? What does that mean? I don't even know what stand back means, but <laughs> yeah. I think it makes more sense to stay in the back. In the yeah. back of what? Yeah. And um, but then it has some weird hip hop beat, and like I, I went to him and I said, "Is there any way I can get like a superhero theme?" Well, what do you mean? Because I'm a superhero? I don't know. It's just, it's just a random thought. <laughs> and, but anyway, he made up the dum 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 dum, so that worked. And it was perfect. Yeah, yeah, that was perfect. So he did good in that, but he did but, me on the kung fu. But you. <laughs> <laughs> me on the kung for naki but you know what's funny though is uh in this i still use this example to um to guys in the locker room today like for example zach Ryder just won the uh intercontinental championship at wrestlemania mm-hmm. but before that never really did anything for a while mm-hmm. and i always use the example and i might have even told him this or somebody else like listen it might be a month it might be six months one day vince will walk by the monitor and see you do something and go why aren't we using that guy and I use I said because that's exactly what happened with Hurricane, because you did that one promo I remember with The Rock that suddenly led you to beating The Rock or yeah. Triple H or something. And remember that it was almost like you had been doing these promos and getting really okay, you're doing fine. But one day you did yeah. the promo with The Rock and then boom, yeah. you're like main event guy. Mm-hmm. And what was like what, what was the story around that? It was just going to be that promo, and that was it. There yeah. was no long drawn out thing. And this um, is when like you're kind of hiding in Rock's dressing room or something, or the hamburger. No, no, or? this was the first one. The first one was the one he called me the hamburger room, mm-hmm. which was oh, a yeah. fantastic Rock line you the by the way. Yeah. Now it was just going to be that because uh, Rock was working with Booker. Mm-hmm. He was doing a little program with Booker, and then he was going to go with Steve at WrestleMania, right? And that that was his thing. And so, at the end of the night, there's going to be a battle royal. And this was in Toronto, actually. Toronto has always been super good to me for whatever reason. Nightlife, maybe. <laughs> don't worry about that. This back in the day. But also, they were the first uh, town to ever chant my name. Hurricane mm. was in Toronto. And that's a weird thing to remember. But but you never forget it. You never forget time, it at course, the same yeah. time. And uh, and that's where I do the thing with The Rock where I come in. It's the first time. And he's like, who in the green hell are you? And um. And it just worked. It was one of those weird things that, for whatever reason, it worked, you know. Uh, and he put over, you know, I have one of those gimmicks that if you don't put it over, it's not going to work. Right. Yes, exactly. You know, this wouldn't have worked in WCW at all. about New Day. You have to play along with that gimmick mm-hmm. or else it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's it's why, uh, you know, uh, Glacier and Canyon and Wrath didn't work in WCW because those guys, the other guys wouldn't put it over, you know, yeah. uh, Hall and Nash out there laughing they, at him and shit right like away. that. It'll yeah. kill it. Yeah. You know, and that would have happened, you know, the Undertaker, you know, yeah, exactly. that gimmick works because of how, sure what got the Undertaker over to me more than anything was when Kamala was afraid of him. Mm-hmm. Like that right there said, said holy shit. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I remember that to this day, Kamala running and taking off and jumping over the guardrail and I'm so, getting yeah, out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like that. That's what got the Undertaker over to me, right. to, to Shane Helms. But I, I, we do that one pre-tape. And after that pre-tape, Kevin Dunn later that night said that was the best pre-tape in the history of the company. Wow. In the history of the company. He said that was the best, funniest. Yeah. Uh, he probably meant funniest. But anyway, coming from him, who I don't even really know. Uh-huh. You know, and he goes, seeks me out and comes and tells me that. So I was real happy about that. 
But later on that night, and we get in the Battle Royal, and The Rock's out there. He's laying people, you know, smack, laying the smack down on a couple of people. And when he comes to get me, when he comes to get me, I start firing back on him, and Toronto just explodes. You know, a lot of this happened because of how the fans react. Because the reaction, were you talking about physically firing back at him? Yeah, when I start firing back on him, when I start punching him, they come. And, uh, because everyone loves the underdog. They don't expect you. Like, just the fact you're in there in the ring with The Rock and getting offense on him, they never expected it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and it, and they like you already. So it's like, they oh like me already. And then the pre tape, like I said, the promo, the backstage thing earlier was really good. Yeah, yeah. And that got over good. So when I get in there, and even though, you know, he ends up beating me down or whatever, like, I just remember going to the back. I was like, man, they had to hear that. Mm-hmm. Well, you always hope. Mm-hmm. You know, we yeah. both have been in situations where. <laughs> We both been in a situation the where right they there. had to know that that yeah. was good, and yeah. then nothing ever happens. Right. But I was like, man, they had to notice that that was hot. So luckily they did, and we just did a couple of the things. And when we do the one in the locker room, that was actually my idea that I'd be hiding in that in that thing. Oh, like it, actually hiding like in a locker or something. Yeah, because we were kind of going over it, and um, I was just going to jump in like always. And then those lockers was over there, and they all had curtains on them for some weird reason. And I just go, what if I was hiding in one of those? And uh, you could just see them, you know, Brian's eyes and Rock's eyes all popped up. And Rock did something on, on that pre-tape that was, that was interesting to me and I never forgot. He kept uh, blowing the pre-tape. Like, he kept, like, flubbing his lines and shit. And I was just going, huh, this is, I don't really know. And then one time he, he kind of flubbed when he turned at me and gave me a slight wink. He kept breaking it on purpose so that we would have to do it live. Ah. And now we don't have to go 90 seconds. Ah. Now we can go as long as we want. Smart. Well, he can go as long as he yeah. wants. I'm the sidekick here. You know, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I remember Smart. I remember that little wink like like it was you know, yesterday. And so we do the whole thing. And I, I gave him the line with the, when he takes the phone out and he goes, hey, it's nothing. He says he knows you. That was my line. I gave him to that to say to me. <laughs> and um. And I remember him thinking, you know, he thought that was cool, you know, because yeah. that's how it is. You know, if you got a good idea, it's yeah, like, sure. you know, yeah, it's all yeah, that matters yeah. is that it's a good, Dude, it's a good segment. I'm the one getting a rub, you know, yeah. <laughs> I would help this shit out. The better the segment is, the better it is for the you. The better it is for all of us. Yeah. So uh, he appreciated that too. And we had a couple more and then we had the match and um, I was doing media day, like on a Sunday and I was, and I was in my hotel and I went to the, as, as luck would have it, I leave my phone in the room and I go to the. You know, get a drink out of the vending machine or something. I come back and I missed a call, mm-hmm. and it's Rock saying, "We, you know, me and you going to work, you know, Monday night, main event, Monday night Raw in Cleveland. You're going over, you know, have your bumping shoes on or some shit like that, yeah, whatever yeah. he said." And I remember thinking, "This is a f- rib, <laughs> like this is like Jason Sensation or somebody, <laughs> yeah, right. somebody f- with me." Yeah, like, yeah. I was just like, I had no idea if that was really him, mm-hmm. just no idea, you know unknown caller or whatever it was yeah. block caller always would call that way Rob yeah. would call that way yeah and uh, so I had no idea it was really him and I get the TV you know and this shit's going to be on it was, it was he was awesome man and what was the finish uh, uh, he had me down as he goes to hit the people elbow Austin's music plays right. he gets distracted by Austin powerful schoolboy which is the most over finish in the history of the business. Completely. And uh, one, two, three, and I'm out. And here's where I made a mistake because they kind of told me to take off. 
I really should have took a moment and stood there beside Steve. Yeah. But I was so at, you know, that's what you, that's when you have to be selfish sometimes. Yeah. But that's, that's been one of my weaknesses is that I'm not. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of just did what I was told and I took off, but I should have took that moment and stayed there. And I, to really get that team because what I remember, and we laughed about this, is me you get jumping the one, two, the three, and then we never see you again except for you jumping up the ramp in the back of like a little leprechaun. Like in the, in just, the, yeah. the, the two dudes are in the foreground and you're just kind of popping around. Like, is that a hurricane running around like a, yeah. like a little guy up Yellow Brick Road? And you can even see Austin almost like tried to grab me. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, even he knew, but he, <laughs> he was there when I got the direction to no roll, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. take off. And yeah. so I did what I was told, but that was one of those things, too, you know, just. Uh, I'm the new guy there. Yeah. I, I don't want to well, piss anybody off. I just beat the rock. Yeah. I'll take what I can get. Yeah. In a perfect scenario, I should have at least stood there beside Austin for a powerful sure, sure. one-two beat at least. Was uh, that the peak of the uh, of the hurricane character? Uh, I would definitely say that night. Yeah. Whether you know, I know people. Fifteen minutes of fame, fifteen seconds that night. I was one of the most popular wrestlers in the world. Yeah. So I'll take that. <laughs> take I'll that. take. I'll take That's that. A, out of all the wrestlers ever to be able to, to be able to say that for that particular moment, huge. that was the most popular wrestler <laughs> in the world. So I'll, I'll take that. You know, um, I know it helped the merchandise sales. You know, they were mm -hmm. always good. You know, they really peaked after that, and I, I did really well. You know, I started. I worked with Hunter and Flair. I had a little program with Flair after that, which was, you know, that meant a lot to me because mm. he he was he was the man in North Carolina. Sure, growing up in North Carolina, you know, so that meant a lot to be to be able to work with him. And um, we had a great time. Uh, we were talking about the Rock. We went on that tour to, to Japan. It was, you a, know, that's one of my favorite uh, points of watching you work. You called you were the champ. Mm -hmm. And in Malaysia was when you had the balloon that was your only friend. <laughs> And like after the match, we were doing like a twenty-minute promo, me and the Rock, and I found someone had a balloon yeah. that floated in the ring. I grabbed it and said it was my only friend. It was. I remember that. You remember it too? That was I had never drank in my life until that tour. That was the first time. Yeah, y'all tried to kill me. The first time was uh, the first time was nine eleven. Was nine eleven and. Not to be celebratory, you know. I always had to tell people no, because you had to do it because everybody did a toast. Right? Every, well, everybody did minds. a toast that nobody. Oh, okay. We knew, and nobody close to anybody we knew had had been lost because right. a lot of the company was from that area, New York, and they worked yeah, up yeah, in, yeah. in that area. And so it was a big you know, toast in a, in a uh, lobby, Houston, that nobody we knew had lost. Nobody in our immediate families or anybody that we knew knew whatever. And so I was like, oh, shit, I gotta, I gotta do that. And Matt's little ass goes and tells Michael Hayes that, you know, Shane's never drank before. <laughs> like, and I, too, uh, full disclosure, I had taken a shot at the uh, the rapping, the movie premiere of Ready to Rumble. Okay. Great. You know, so, but, but yeah, this, but this was the first, you know, go, and so here comes Michael Hayes with like a, either Jack or Jaeger bomb or some of that shit that he drinks. So I was like, hey, kid, have a shot with me. <laughs> And I didn't want to do it, you know, but that's Michael Hayes. I yeah. just did one. Now I can't say no, so go. And then here comes Undertaker. Hey, kid. <laughs> do a shot with me. <laughs> Damn it. And so I didn't know that, you know. <laughs> and so fast forward a couple hours later, there's a strip club right next to the hotel. And I got Matt on stage in the walls of Jericho, which is funny <laughs> because you're here. And, um, but I woke up the next day and no hangover, no nothing. And, like, we had drank all night. It was my first time. And I got up and said, what's so the big good deal? You were good at it. Yeah. What's the big deal? So then we went to Japan. We went to Japan and you tried to kill me. Well, why did I try to kill you? I think you hate me. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you know, I kept, and I remember, like, 
it's always been a rule of mine too. Uh, well, I didn't have to have that rule before then, but mm-hmm. uh, since you know, since then, you know, never do, never go to the ring with anything like right. that. Don't go to the ring drunk. You know? Oh yeah, of course. And I've seen people, you know, uh, having a beer or something back backstage, you know, and I, I know beers a lot less, but still, when I go to the ring, you know, yeah, no, no that's not uh, that's not right. You know, anyway, never do. Yeah, but that particular tour. I was drunk from the night before <laughs> and I'm still new at this shit. And I remember in Malaysia being at the Kurt going, holy, f-, yeah, you know, or I think Malaysia or Singapore, one of those nights where we had, you tried to kill me the night before. And do you remember pushing me through the curtain? No. Yeah. I was at the curtain holding on to the curtains for life. Like I'm still like, I don't need to be here. <laughs> and it probably wasn't as bad as I thought, but yeah, I'm yeah. new to it. So, yeah. And you push me in the back and I stumble <laughs> out, but luckily it looks just like that silly hurricane walk I did. <laughs> anyway, and then uh, I think Dean didn't tell me about that I had pyro on the poles. So I slide in the ring and do my little spin, and then the pyro goes off, and I about shit on myself in the ring. <laughs> but then that kind of sobered me up because it scared me so bad. I was like, oh, shit. What happened was we, we were working, and there was three great crowds. Tokyo, uh, first time we'd been back there like in 10 years. We sold out the Yokohama Arena. Then there's Singapore, Malaysia. And I remember I was like, okay, I am. I was a champion. And I was like, I'm going to try and do what Flair used to do. Yeah. Because I was working on The Rock and we had great chemistry. So we were having like five-star matches, whatever that is. Five stars. Then go out and drink till have a five-star after party till yeah. like five or six in the morning. And then we had to fly every day because yeah. it was a different country. Mm-hmm. So straight to the airport, straight to the venue, wrestle the match, straight to the bar. Yeah. And it was you and me and Bubba and Shane on Shane Mac. Mac, yeah. It was a little, little gang. Yeah. The DWMs. The DWMs. Yeah. And uh, but I uh, I worked for Naki and Fanaki like carried the match and everything was yeah, fine yeah. you know I was I was actually okay once the match started like somehow it all came together and I was everything, jumping off the top rope and everything yeah, yeah. was fine but um yeah that was the first time you guys tried to kill me we, we were uh, gargling Jack Daniels that, mm-hmm. was the, that was the big trick of the tour mm-hmm. and I remember Shane had a problem with that so the gargling yep I beat him. No, I see. I know to see. I caught on to that shit. Y'all, y'all, y'all see. Y'all think. Yeah, I play country dumb. See, that's always been one of my tactics. I let y'all think I'm dumb, but you know, you know better, right, baby? <laughs> that was yeah, because you'd, you'd be gargling it, and I'd learned this from Kurt Henning. While I was gargling the Jack Daniels, I was letting it drain out the side of my mouth, mm-hmm. but you couldn't see it if I had my head pointed this way. And so Shane, I, I would because gargling Jack Daniels is the worst. It's really bad. Like when you, it will get you. <laughs> Drunk. As opposed to even just drinking, just it, drinking, which is awful. Gargling it is worse. So we were, I would gargle it for like ten seconds, and then Shane would be, oh, 10 seconds is nothing." So then he would do twenty seconds, and then I would gargle for thirty seconds, but not really because I would let the stuff slip down the side. But even just having that taste in your mouth, oh. and then it just kept going back and forth, and I was able to get rid of this stuff or just pour the shot right over my shoulder, which is another good one. Uh, yeah, and he lost that round, so it was good. And then there was a the time we were on the plane where he gave me your uh, snacks. Yeah, this motherfucker. You <laughs> it know, still you bugs know. you. Yeah, it does it bug me. It still bugs you to this day. Yeah, it does. Little things bug me. Yeah. You'd be amazed at the big shit that yeah. I forgive, but little tiny things I'll carry on for life. <laughs> the, those trail mix things that I buy, I still to this day buy them things. Yeah, big bag of trail mix. You know, it's like the, the M&Ms and the raisins and the peanuts. Like, well, you know, and I bought them so that cause when I wake up, I can have a snack because it's a long-ass flight. We're going somewhere in Japan or Europe. Yeah, or he's right across the aisle from me. I wake up. And he's over there turning the bag up like the last little bit of crumbs right in his fucking mouth. And I'm going. But, but you said I could, you said I could have he some. Said, he, I say some. <laughs> See, that's a very important word there. And it is not a synonym for all. <laughs> at all. 
what the it's like a bukkake video the shit's just coming they ate all my like hey man did you eat all my trail mix and he's like oh man i'm sorry you said i could have some and so now my hungry ass <laughs> that still bugs you to this day that's, that's a good one enough. and the other road story that i love was uh was when we were in was it manchester england in your hotel room what was oh no 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 was, was it manchester? manchester yeah no it was like London? Ireland or Scotland or okay, some somewhere, shit like right. that. Yeah, everyone was hanging out in your room, in my room. Yeah, and then ran down the hall to go to somebody else's room. Yeah, there was some there was some debauchery the going on in another room. Shenanigans. So everyone leaves your room, and I'm the last one in. And I'm like, wait a second, and dude, I what did I do? You destroyed my room. Why did I didn't destroy it? Everything was turned over. Well, I just took everything I could. I took all the I took I took all the sheets off the bed, all the pillowcases. I took the shower curtains off. I took uh, like like uh, anything that wasn't tied down. I just took into my room. And you put some of some of there was a lot of shit in the closet. Oh, the closet too, right? And then you did something. And the shower curtain, I didn't even know because I couldn't even stay in that room. Do you remember why? Why? The blood stains on the mattress. We all come back to that room from going. There was some shenanigans going in the, in this room down the hall with people who can't be named. And we busted in there and witnessed these shenanigans. Then we run back. And in that p- moment of time is when he decided to my room up. And it's actually funny when we get back because we're all in a state of mind where anything would have been funny. <laughs> yeah. And then we just happen and we're kind of laughing. And I look over at my mattress and there is a blood stain like the size of a human. Remember that? Yes. Was was like, bru- that's right. I'd taken all the, all the sheets off yeah. and didn't even look at the mattress. And there was a huge like body, like a criminal crime yeah. scene yeah. blood outline. And, and it, where the head would be was the dark. Like somebody got shot in the f-ing head. That's exactly. Oh. I was like, so I didn't even sleep in that room that night. <laughs> but at the next morning, I had to go to take a shower. And I remember I, I turned, I got the water just the right temperature, you know, because mm. overseas that shit's never like it is in America. You know, yeah. the hot is like the f- volcano in Lords of the Rings. And, and then it goes to cold like in a second. Yeah. And you're doing all that kind of shit. And then I tried to pull the curtain and there's no curtain. There's no shower curtain. I'm like, what is all of this? And that's when I realized you had took the shower curtain down too. <laughs> and you wanted to throw my TV out the window. And he's like, man, this would be funny. He said, throw the TV out the window. I said, no, we can't do that. And you go, how would they know? And I go, if they come to my room and there's no TV? And you go, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was like, because, well, yeah, I wanted to throw the TV out of your room. But but the the windows, they're only open like two or three inches. Yeah. You know those shitty windows in, your, in the UK? But you were determined that we could crank that window. Yeah, they, listen, if we, if, we, if we take the TV and throw out the window, how will they know what room it was thrown out of? <laughs> because I come in the room, see no TV. They'll figure out. <laughs> you go, oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to the next thing. <laughs> so now uh, you are, um, I wanted to talk about this as well, about uh, you're an agent in TNA. Yeah. Which now that you're on the other side of the coin, mm-hmm. first of all, how did that come about and, and how do you like doing that? Well, you know, I did a couple, uh, I did a little bit of that in WWE with like dark matches and uh, really? just some of the undercard guys. Yeah, just helping them out. Uh-huh. But also actually getting on the headset and. Officially? Or just kind of helping out? Just kind of helping out. Nothing where it was going to lead to anything. I was just right. there, and maybe I wasn't doing anything. But mm-hmm. especially after that Gregory Helms run, you know, the, the the big negative about the Hurricane thing is when you're so good at a comedy gimmick. You get you get typecast. And, 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 and it's so funny that they think that's all that I am. Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember, and, and that's a lot harder 
you know, every, to play that character. All the, uh, you know, th- there's so much credit given to the tough guy characters in, in pro wrestling, and I think that is the actually easiest thing to do in our business is to be that tough guy character. Oh, yeah? That's the easiest thing to do, to go out there and act tough. Yeah. I think anybody could do that, but to go out there and be an entertaining character that has layers and personality and all that different shit, that takes a little bit more talent. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. I think stand-up comedy might be the hardest form of entertainment. Why? Because you going out there and people are just staring at you, make me laugh, mm-hmm. motherfucker, yeah, yeah. and you have to do it. Right. That could be very daunting and very tough, and it gets, for some reason, the least amount of credit. You know, um, Steve Martin was talking about, you know, and, and Eddie Murphy, uh, uh, maybe the Nutty Professor where he does all the scenes around the table. Yeah, yeah. yeah Nutty was Professor, that, was yeah. That, the, He's the like, clumps. how did that not get an Oscar nomination? How did that not get the award for what he did? Because it's funny. Mm-hmm. Like, That's true. Name, name the last comedy that won hardly you know, ever, I mean, you know, if ever, and probably in the 40s or something. You know, know hardly ever. You know, like maybe like I think Forrest Gump did something. You know, if that's even a comedy. That's more of a. It's, it's that a would, comedy drama. I mean, yeah. there's funny parts. Yeah. The book was funny. The book was a lot funnier in the movie. But um, it's yeah, it's a very uncredited thing, and it's I think the hardest thing to do. Like the hurricane was, it seemed easy, but comedy's hard to do mm-hmm. in pro wrestling, and I know that because you can watch every week, and there's a lot of Bad people trying comedy, to be funny, yeah. especially in a violent scenario mm-hmm. or even a simulated violent scenario to come in and be funny, to be consistently funny. You know, it, it, it was it was difficult. And so now I, when I'm Gregory Helms and all of a sudden, you know, and now now I got to make people forget that I was that guy. So you because I forgot. I'm sorry. So you switched from Hurricane to Gregory Helms mm-hmm. as a now as just a heel. Yep. As a as a kick ass so, heel. And I had a uh, I had a private secret meeting with Vince. You know, like I didn't want merchandise. I don't want T-shirts. But I need you to take care of me on these pay-per-view checks. <laughs> and to his credit, they did. They really, they really took care of me as far as paying me for pay-per-views. Because I don't think there's been more of a significant drop in merchandise sales <laughs> than from Hurricane to Gregory Helms. Because <laughs> nobody, that, that Gregory Helms shit wasn't flying off the shelves. <laughs> was, it, was your Hurricane, was it making a significant difference? Yeah, at checks? one time I was a number three guy. But, but so does that translate? Like, does that translate to a real big chunk of change? Because I've never been a merchandise guy. It's a big really? face I did okay. I mean, I did okay. But to me, it's always about, about video games and, and action figures. Because once again, as a heel as well, I don't let them make merchandise. The, uh, my action figure, I know my first one, uh, Jack Specifics, Jack Specific called me. And I was the number one selling action figure of all time. Wow. Now, it might have, somebody might have, I mean, Cena or Ray sure, sure, or somebody might have. But that translated it. to the number on the check. Like, mm-hmm. you'd see it and go, wow. Yeah. Really oh yeah. My first one. royalty check, I thought they made a mistake, <laughs> and I was afraid to cash it. I was like, "What if I cash it?" And they're like, "Mother, you know that wasn't yours, and you cashed this shit." And I get like charged for. I was like yeah. really afraid, but then I said, "Fuck it, I'm gonna go cash this month." Yeah. And um, <laughs> I went like bought a house and. <laughs> right, right. So the so from the hurricane to Gregory Helms, but at Gregory Helms, you couldn't buy a deck of cards. You know, you couldn't. Buy, but I, like I wanted that because we don't we didn't have any of that. We have, you know. The, the tweener here, the business has really become a merchandise thing. It's such a part of it that there's no heels that actually get hated. Like, I had people storm the ring on me, two instances. One in which, you know, the cops came and we had all this big deal, people storming the ring on me. Actually trying to get into the ring. One of them made it. In Jonesboro, Arkansas, they made it in the ring and I had beat his fucking ass. And then uh, they were going to make me go back because the co- the town, the cops, you know, For were going to press the charges yeah. and all this kind of shit. And luckily I, I got out of it. But. That was, you know, we're talking to Vince, like, you know, most heels, especially today, even more so than then, they're just tweeners. Mm-hmm. And, but 
but we're losing that because there's no real hill, so there's nothing to be between. Right. You got to have that those people, and and the tweeners will probably still be that main event. But you need those tweeners somewhere that people really hate, and that's going to make those tweeners stand out. Right. You know, Tully Blanchard was the heel. It wasn't Arn. Nobody hated Arn. We hated Tully. Mm-hmm. You know, but we hated Buddy Roberts. You know, those might be two of the greatest heels, I think, in the last 40 years. You know, um, and I, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted them to hate me. And, and if you're wearing Gregory Helms' shirt, then you don't hate me. You like me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was trying to get, you know, and that's what I wanted. And I, I think I was really successful for at it. You know, Who were you working with at this time frame? Um, well, I was the Cruiserweight champion. So okay. that was that was a detriment because they wouldn't bring any new guys in. Yeah, yeah. And I was trying to get, I tried to get Austin Aries hired. I tried to get El Generico hired. I tried to get other guys. And they, they just kept saying, well, what? Who, who's down in OVW? And I'm like, I don't. You know, but I don't know any of those guys. You know, I've tried to get them to bring, you know, guys that were doing shit. Because how many times can I beat Jamie Noble? And, sure. and, and you know, I think Jimmy Yang, you know, he was a – they really didn't know what to do with him. It's really weird because he could do things in the ring that nobody else in the business can do. And we need to exploit that. We need to use that. But they really couldn't find a way. Brian Kendrick was the guy I thought that I could have the best program with. But he was stuck in that tag team with Paul, and they wouldn't break them up. Mm-hmm. And so I was really kind of stuck, you know, just kind of beating these guys up, the same guys all the time. You know, it was super crazy and uh, psychosis yeah. and, and the whole run of the litter. And, and Vince was really behind that. That's the only time I thought he was behind the cruiserweight division when I was in that company there. And um, and it was going good. But then when I started working with, you know, with Benoit and Bobby Lashley and Booker, and I had a really good match with Undertaker, which I, which to me is one of my best performances mm. And if you look at the match, I kind of just get my ass whooped. But that's what I was asked to do. Sure. You know, right. my direction. form of it, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's when I hate these four or five-star matches, when I see those ratings anywhere, because yeah. they don't know what my assignment was. Exactly. You could have a five-star match getting, quote-unquote, squashed if it's great, and that's what you were told to do. Yeah, I right. was told we need The Undertaker to look as dominant as he ever has. Mm-hmm. And. That match, like the second my music plays, when I walk out, just everything, just my demeanor, how upset I am that I'm even in this match. I'm about to get my ass whooped, and there's nothing I can do about it, but I got to go do it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's literally one of my favorite performances, and I just get mm-hmm. You know, and Megan, you know, take a like me, so I got a little bit in. I got a little yeah. bit of my shit yeah, in. Yeah, that yeah. was all good. And uh, But I came to the back and got a standing ovation. You know, yeah. and, and Vince didn't throw those out. Not to me. Yeah, not to anybody. You know, he didn't throw those out freely. And, I mean, that big standing O and that big thumb. And later in, like, the next week is when he told me. It was after that match. He told me that we got to get that belt off of you. Mm-hmm. Talking about the Cruiserweight belt because, you know, that I was. It's a detriment to it. Yeah, point. it's a detriment to me at that point. And, um, but I, I, w- I was just really. I think I was one of the best heels going at, mm-hmm. at that particular point in time. You know, maybe not. And like I said earlier, those the the legit heels they won't be because you need Rock Austin, you need Jericho Rock, you know you need the tweeners are going to be the main guys. But you know it's it's like if you watch Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter wasn't the heel, mm-hmm. Buffalo Bill was the heel, mm-hmm. right? You know Hannibal Lecter got his own TV show, yeah, he got sequels. You know you, we kind of think he's the heel, but he's the tweener. But if you got that Buffalo Bill character, and that's who I was. And, hmm. and then now I don't want anybody to think I'm, you know, tucking, <laughs> you tucking my junk. I'd, I'd vertebrae me. Um, I'd choke slam me. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I was going for, you mm-hmm. know. And I, mm-hmm. that's something in TNA now I'm, I've been working with Matt on. 
uh, you know, make these people really hate you. You know, because you and Matt started so many years ago. Now you're actually helping to guide him. Yeah, well, uh, Matt threw my name out. As far as I know, they were looking for new agents, and apparently, my name had come up from a couple different people. You know, whenever I go to shows, I'm always trying to help people. You know, and uh, like my Omega shows have been really good, and I agent every match. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Omega isn't an indie show where you guys come in and can just do whatever the fuck you want, which is what basically all indie shows right. do. And that's why there's so there's so chaos, you know. I, yeah. I, I'm I'm telling the story from the first match to the end. Yeah, and um, and that that was been really well. So, so so let me ask you this. I mean, you're talking about how, how you have a, a, a good qualities to be doing this. Is it hard to be? Because I'm a TNA fan, I always have been, and I think that actually the stuff that that you guys have been doing over the last six months or so since you've been in there, Billy Corgan, all those type of guys, it's been good stuff. But is it is it is it behind the eight ball with some of the perception of, of the years of stuff that's going on there? That is the worst part. Our biggest enemy is the ghost of TNA's past. Yeah. That is what we're constantly like. And uh, I'll actually talk to some people. Sometimes they just piss me off and I tell them to fuck off, you know, on, on the Twitter box or whatever. <laughs> but so I'll ask guys, so we, well, when's the last time you watched it? Well, I haven't watched it in a couple of years. Well, what the Oh, yeah, because yeah. you guys are doing everything. Like I'm, I'm a big Billy Corgan fan uh-huh. from years before to now, and, and and obviously yourself and some of the new talent that you have in there, and some of the, you know, the Mike Bennetts and that sort of a thing. And there's a lot of positive stuff. It's just like you said. I almost wonder if the smartest move would be to just change the name of the company to something completely new. Maybe is 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 that name TNA branded a certain way? Could you ever? take it back to the to the promised land you know because the, the elements are there yeah i mean maybe you know yeah yeah you know i i think maybe that's kind of why we call it like impact i yeah, think yeah, that yeah, might be yeah. kind of testing the waters to see to see but that is you know that, that's very frustrating to, to, to have to deal with that i call it the nickelback syndrome there, there was some reason i think it, have i told you this is this why you, you like? haven't but i'm smiling cause I know what you there was know. some reason that for some reason the whole world just decided they hated nickel yeah same thing as creed yeah, just Creed had that too. I mean, there was a point when they were, their songs were on the radio every yep. week, number one hits. They're the soundtrack on Spider Man, yep. the soundtrack everywhere. Everybody's loving Nickelback, and then the next week, some memo went out that I didn't get, <laughs> and everybody just hates them, and I don't know why. We used to say that about Creed. Creed sold thirty million records, and I don't know one person that has one. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. No one was. It just became them. cool to, and like you don't really hate them, but everybody else is hating on them, so I'm a hate on them too. Yeah. What's the uh, so what's the what's the plan just to keep fighting and forcing forward? Is, is yeah, it- I think that's the only thing we can do. I look at it in the same situation in, in WCW. I can't worry about the business end of yeah. it. You know, I'm gonna go there and I, I want to help put out the best in ring product that we can, and that's where my involvement comes in. And I think if you watch the show uh, for the last year since I've been there, there's been a definite upgrade. Yes, I agree. And 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 actually in total show quality too. I think we give a. Yeah. It's my favorite show, and not just because I'm there. I still watch everything. You know, I, I love uh, I love New Japan. You know, but that's that's wrestling. Yeah. You know, that's that's a that's a great product. But I think I like that just because of the mystique of Japan. Sometimes, still, yeah. You know, that's still like from my. You know, childhood mystique that I loved. You know, I like a lot of what Lucha Underground does. I don't like all of it, but I like a lot of it. Um, you know, I, I like so many friends of Ring of Honor, and I like what they do. But I, overall, I think I love what we do. I, I the think best. the secret is is you're starting to do it again. When TNA was 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 hot at the peak, it was homegrown stars mm-hmm. like Smojo and AJ Styles, and then Chris Daniels and those guys. And now you're getting that again with EC3, and then you got we're talking about Mike Bennett. And you're talking about some of those. Other- I wish one of our uh, one of our weaknesses is how we mic the crowd. Because oh. if you could have heard his reaction when he made his big, the babyface turn actually happened in London, or I mean, it was in England, so it was in one of those towns. 
man, when he came out, dude, that was that was reminiscent. Uh, that was the old school mm-hmm. shit, man. And when he came, finally showed back up, that place went ballistic. And I couldn't wait to watch it on TV, and it still didn't translate as yeah. well. as like, and I get so angry when – not angry, but – Well, know, I get once this, again, that's the production of the WWE, which nobody can beat. Nobody. And everything will always be compared to that. Like Ring mm-hmm. of Honors – like Ring of Honor and TNA compared to WWE, it's it's – Night and day. But nobody compares anybody to WWE but TNA. Yeah, 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 right. That's one thing we always had to deal with, too. They talk about all these other companies that are supposedly better than yeah. TNA. It was like, well, yeah, well, why don't y'all compare them to WWE? Because you never right, do. Right, right. You only compare TNA to WWE, yeah. and that's a, there's a reason for that. Yeah. But um, I can't hate on anything. You know, I'm a wrestling fan. I was like, I don't care what letters come before it. And I've, I've always been like that. You mm-hmm. know, I've, I mean, I grew up on a, If there was wrestling on, I was watching I was that watching shit. Too, I didn't yeah. care what. You know, with WCCW, which is world class, whether it's AWA, and I would watch AWA on ESPN when it was terrible, mm-hmm. but it was wrestling and I was watching. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I didn't get to see WWF till I was in high, high school. You know, my first year in high school was when I, uh, yeah, and I got to see Savage and all that. You know, and I was grew up on NWA Mid Atlantic and world class, and like I said, AWA on ESPN, and finally got to see yeah, WWF. Yeah. But I would watch anything. So I, I really wish fans would get past that, but some of them can't. Mm-hmm. And, but that's why I like team sports work because that's why fans yeah. they get behind their team and that means you got to hate all the other teams. Well, it's like you said too. All that you can do is just keep putting on a good show, and it has been a much better show over the last six months and a year. So that's the best. That's the best way to do it. Just put on great performances and great shows and great great programs. Yeah, I'm not worrying too much about what dirt sheets say. You know, so yeah. I don't get. I never really have. Last question. Uh, no, we're going to do more questions. I'm going to ask you some questions. <laughs> What's your favorite match that you ever had if you had to pick one or two? I, I, one of my favorite finishes is losing is me to, to you in Halifax. <laughs> what was it? In Because Hall- uh, WWE would always make me wrestle Canadians in Canada. <laughs> Canada. And I was a heel. And you were, the, you were the heel, and I was a baby face. And they would do that, you know uh, – as a backhand, not in a backhanded, but it's sort of a compliment because the fans wouldn't turn on me. Yeah. They would turn on so many of the other baby faces. Yeah, they weren't going to turn on you, right? They might not cheer me against you, but at least they wouldn't boo me and shit on me. Yeah. And Chris is out there. He's doing everything in the world to get this crowd to turn Every me. cheap trick in the book. He's poking me in the eye. He's pulling my nose. He's taking his wrist tape off. He's choking me. He's t- flipping the crowd off. Yeah, Fuck. They tell him to he's shut doing up. everything. They, they ain't having that shit. They're pulling. And you were the first Canadian of the night. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever been to Halifax before or since. Or since. He's yeah. doing everything in the world to get these fans to boot. They ain't having that shit. They're Y2J, they Jericho, whatever. <laughs> and luckily, then, and even when I would do some stuff, they were kind of a little bit of a cheers for me. You know, they didn't hate me, but they were pro Jericho. <laughs> and so the finish was he's going to put me in the walls of Jericho. I was going to struggle to the ropes once, maybe even twice, finally tap out after this big heroic struggle. He put me in the walls of Jericho. Your ass was barely settled. And I said, like, I was tapping right away. Because <laughs> I'm getting out of here. I remember you going down and you were kind of giggling and you were like, good call. Like, this. Well, I ain't waiting for this. I tapped out so damn quick. Like, this. You win. <laughs> oh, I man. I have, I have favorite moments. I don't have favorite yeah, matches. Yeah, yeah. I, have, I, I remember seeing Muda coming to get us in WCW. And just being transfixed, mm-hmm. just watching him going, holy, that's Muda. Mm-hmm. You know, the first time I got to do anything with Flair, just seeing him yeah. and I'm coming to get his ass, you know. Uh, the match with Rock, I guess, you know, if I had to pick one, that, that's got to be the one, you know, yeah. that, that did the most for, for me as a career. And I've never had a top guy take, you know, do that much for me yeah. as he did. Uh, him and Flair did, did, did the most for me, you know. Um, but moments like that, The Undertaker, 
that was cool because anytime I worked a top guy, you know, yourself included, I came out last. So I never got to see your cool entrances. Oh. <laughs> and uh, you rock, flare, all them. They were, for whatever reason, you know, I yeah. came out last. You but with the taker, first, yeah. with the taker, you know, I got to go out first. So I got to see it and I got to, which also helped that performance. And like I told you, mm-hmm. if you ever get a chance, man, this is a short match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's Gregory Helms versus The Undertaker. Okay. When that music plays and I go, oh, you know <laughs> this guy God, damn you know uh, that that was that was really cool oh, so man. um well dude it's great talking to you man we, when we're we gonna coming. do part two what's up with that what is up with that what's up with that thanks man thanks to hurricane helms always great to relive some of those crazy road stories with him and if you want to see what he's been up to check out impact wrestling on pop tv every tuesday night at nine o'clock 8 p.m central you got to check out the amazing stuff with matt and jeff hardy the final deletion was on tonight uh, if you haven't seen it go online and see it it's one of the uh bizarrely wackiest things i've ever seen it could be on adult swim it's so crazy, and I loved it. TNA doing some good stuff over there, uh, and Shane Helms is behind the scenes. He's an agent working with all the talent. So check out TNA, and uh, thank you so much to uh, to my old friend Hurricane. Stand back. There's a hurricane coming through. And stand back. Mark your calendars. Remember, March 15th, 2017. It's the biggest podcast ever. When Mick Foley joins Talk is Jericho, 251 days and counting until the Biggest podcast ever. So countdown, check that out. And one last thank you to all you guys for supporting the great Talk is Jericho sponsors, including audible.com. Go to audible.com slash Jericho for a free 30-day trial and audiobook. Go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. You get 10% off anything you paddle just for a limited time, including the new collector's edition of the Resurrection of the Jake the Snake documentary. And, of course, go to the OG sponsor, Amazon. Easiest way to support the show. Use them Amazon links anytime you use, uh, anytime you do any online shopping. The links podcast1.com click on the killer deals button in the top right corner of the page then hit the talk is jericho button i got them links for the usa the uk the canada a every time you use the talk is jericho amazon links amazon kicks back a small percentage to this show to help us cover production costs and become a talk is jericho amazon warrior buy something and then you'll take a picture of it and then you post it on the twitter at talk is jericho i will retweet it and follow you all right go to podcast1.com click on the killer deals button in the top right corner of the page then hit the talk is jericho button thank you so much for listening keep listening to the 60 second ap news headlines coming up next thanks to hurricane helms for being here last week scroobius pip if you've never heard of him you don't want to miss out super funny conversation with england's number one podcaster and then of course the canadian rock show my old friends todd kearns brent fitz and solo cup jet jeff talking all things canada uh, super super funny show and we got a good one coming up on friday oh yeah I got Kiss drummer Eric Singer. He has been with the band longer than any other drummer they've ever had. Eric Singer from Kiss is going to be here as I slowly uh, get every member of Kiss past or present on this show. Eric Singer not only played for Kiss, he was with Black Sabbath for a long, long time. Lita Ford, Badlands. He was a journeyman for 10, 15 years before he ended up at Kiss. He's been in Kiss for over 20 years. He's a great, great storyteller. He's going to be here on Friday. So we are looking forward to that. We'll see you then. In the meantime, and in between time, stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah, boy. See you on Friday. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. That's podcastone.com.